Uh, yeah, I don't have a bit or anything, so, you know. Uh, uh, do, you, do you like mediocre podcasts? <laughs> 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 so you still haven't found an intro, huh, Ben? No, no, I don't know how to start the podcast yet. I thought of that on the way over, and it was like, yeah, it'll work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it'll either be whatever that is or something along the lines of welcome to late to the movies. My name is Ben Holt. This is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, finishing off whodunit month with a bit of a curveball. It's Scream 2. And uh, my guest, your guest, everyone's guest, left or right across the podcast dial, the returning champions from the Scream episode. We got Jeffrey. Hey, everyone. And we got Kate. Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, so you guys know this movie front and back now. <laughs> We're going to get really into the nitty gritty. Uh, but before we do, out of curiosity, have you seen anything interesting lately? Whew. Um, we're watching Succession right now. Yeah, more nice. TVLS movies. Uh, first time through? Yes. Nice. How far in are you? Um, we're in the beginning of season three. Yes, yeah, about halfway through the series. Yeah. <laughs> that's That's... That's probably the peak. It's so yeah. good. I mean, it ends really strong too. It and it just sustains a pretty incredible level. But the yeah. this end of season two into the beginning of season three was really exciting. Nice. And it took forever in between those seasons because of COVID. That yeah, that we just <laughs> we just wait for things to be fully out before we yes. just rip right through. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, what a show. It's it's very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan for sure. We yeah. have not seen Barbie or Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, Dynasty, Oppenheimer. I want to do the IMAX if possible. Well, I can fill in there. I've seen both <laughs> Barbie. Wow. <and> okay. <laughs> Dang, Impressive. One weekend should have known. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, <laughs> the highest grossing weekend domestically since Avengers Endgame came out. You might notice that was before the pandemic. Um, wow. And that was mostly Avengers Endgame. This is. It broke all kinds of weird records because both movies made a bunch of money. Barbie made a ton. Oppenheimer made eighty million. Uh, it was a, a three-hour rated R biopic that came out in the middle of the summer. Made eighty million. It's about twice as much as it was expected to. Barbie made way more, but you know you can't expect it. Um, both right. broke expectations. Good stuff for movies. I liked both of them a lot. I want to spoil anything. You know, uh, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be like a week since they came out. But you know, I think both are pretty well served by not knowing that much going in. All right. That's pretty much what I'd say about, I liked both of them a lot. Um, I liked Oppenheimer more, but you know, I'm talking about like the difference between four and four and a half stars here, not the difference between two and four and a half stars. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're, we're uh, bickering about which one to see first. Probably Barbie first because you can just go see Barbie tonight. Yes. Um, I saw Oppenheimer, loved it. Today is July 25th. The next time there were seats that I deemed good enough to go back and see it again was uh, Monday, August 7th at 10 p.m. Wow. Wow. So. Holy cannoli. Okay. um, I'm not talking about the movie at all. I'm just talking about the the context because this week I don't want to do any spoilers. Maybe the next episode I'll get into it a little bit. (laughs) Uh, We, uh, yeah, we might have to get tickets now for (laughs) mid-September. You know, <laughs> I did like Barbie a lot too. You'd you'd probably like it. It's it's Greta Gerwig, fucking yeah. Lady Bird and Little Women. Yes, I I'm sure I'm going to love Barbie. Um, everyone I know who's seen it has yeah absolutely raved. So yeah yeah, it's 
it's good. It's a fun time at the movies. Have you seen the meme of um that that I'm Knuff um whatever yeah sweatshirt on Kendall Roy. That's fantastic. <laughs> Very good. They should sell those sweatshirts. I'm sure they are. Yeah. But yeah, the merchandising. I, I mean, um, a lot of attention for Ryan Gosling, and he is phenomenal in it. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. Um, Margot Robbie's incredible. She's, yeah. she's so good. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. She's probably my favorite working actress right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So good. High praise. I'm, I'm a big Babylon <laughs> head, though, and uh, there's not a lot of us. But we're, we're, we're a small but mighty group. <laughs> and Margot Robbie's so good in that movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. Want to talk about Scream 2? Let's sure. do it. All right. So our uh, disclosure form. I've seen Screen 2 before. Have you? No, this was time number one for nice. me. Nice. This is my first time as well. Yeah. Um, I like all the Screen movies, so maybe I'm a little bit biased if you're waiting to find out whether or not, uh, like a lot of people, I think all the sequels are bad. I don't. I like them all. They're all good. <laughs> but uh, we'll get into whether, whether we think they're good or not later. First off, do either of you want to give a one-minute plot summary? Jeffrey, you do it. I have to do it? Yeah. You get to do it. You get yeah, I should, to Maybe do I should it. set my timer on my watch. <laughs> yeah. You could. I know, I, from what I recall last time, uh, Kate struggled with the one minute, so. Yeah. I got the time in front of me, too. I can give you, like, 45, 30. 50. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Okay, yeah. All right, ready to go. Go for it. Okay, so it, uh, basically it opens in the scene. They're watching a Scream movie that's based on the murders that happened in the first movie. And I believe a book by Gail Weathers. Um, and in, in the beginning, the, the two characters that are in the opening scene, both end up getting murdered. And then basically um, we go back to Sydney and her group of friends. And basically, uh, you know, they're kind of tormented by the, uh, the killer throughout the movie who we don't know who it is. And, and uh, same types of things happen. The, the killer just shows up, murders people. People are on the run. Classic horror movie type stuff. And um, how should I wrap this up? Then basically you end up discovering who the killers are in the, in the last scene of the movie. And once again, Sydney escapes unharmed. Perfect. That's it. I think you actually nailed... 60 seconds right on the head there. Wow, that was great. great. <laughs> uh, this is ni- 1997 movie, Scream 1, 1996. So they turned this one around wow. real quick. So um, fast. Sydney graduated, went to college, already has a new friend group and a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, well, their friends keep getting schmurdered, so. Yeah, that's sort of a running theme throughout all the Scream movies is that there's always, you just join her, she already, she's already hanging out with different people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. Yeah, all our friends are dead. <laughs> all our friends are keep keep dying. <laughs> Besides, Dewey's kind of a friend, sort of like a big brother type. Yeah. And I think you forget, and especially in these first couple movies, that her and Gail don't actually interact that much. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good fans, point. Not yeah. fans of each other. No, um, considering that the sort of arc of the series, you take it as a whole, you're like, oh yes, there's three consistent characters: Sydney, Dewey, Gail Weathers. Uh, Nev Campbell, David Arquette, and Courtney Cox. And um, Courtney Cox, at this point, is the only one that's been in all of the Scream movies, mm-hmm. um, but, which is even more funny because you're like, she's just sort of, she's not the main character. No. Yeah. No. It's definitely Sydney, but those are the three that were so consistent. All that to say, 
you forget early on, Ur and Gale aren't really, you know, they have like a grudging sort of agreement almost. Mm -hmm. But especially in this movie, I think they only have like a couple scenes in the same place. Right. Yeah. And (laughs) and one is full of a lot of tension. Yeah. They're both like working on the same problems. Yep. But she she hits her again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I don't know if she sees Gale again that much until the reveal at the very end. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, whatever. I guess we'll, we're talking about the overall structure of how much Sydney sees Gale. But what did you guys think of the movie? <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was fun. We were we we saw it when we had gotten home from a weekend away, and we were like, oh, we'll watch like half of it now, and we ended up ripping right through it. Yeah, um, it goes down pretty smooth. Yeah, it does. I I think that's a great great way to um, phrase it. It was yeah, easy watching. Um, definitely less like it. It was. I, I think a little like gorier, campier than the first, which was delightful. Um, but I kind of knew what I was getting into. So wasn't like, you know, falling for jump scares or anything. Um, not, there weren't that many anyway. But, yeah. 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 I liked it as well. I, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I'm usually pretty partial to the original things and don't love the sequels. It's, you know, not an unpopular opinion by any means, but, um, that was a pretty good sequel overall. I thought it did a good job. I, I'm not a huge horror movie fan in general, uh, but I feel like, you know, there's only like, there's like a pretty reasonable amount of like ridiculousness in the scream movies. Like they don't go over the top with people doing like absolutely idiotic things. I think for the most part, people behave somewhat rationally. They don't always make the best choices, but I think, I mean, if I were in those situations, maybe I wouldn't either. I like to give them the benefit of the doubt, I think. So I kind of like that aspect of the movie too. It's like pretty believable in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, think that i mean in the meta commentary that they're making about sequels going bigger having a higher body count being more like carnage based i mean like you were saying it's a bit bloodier a bit gorier um the first one's almost just like a closer to a psychological thriller compared to this movie a little bit yeah both have the sort of undercut not i wouldn't i shouldn't say undercutting the undercurrent of commentary about the genre Mm -hmm. about you know a send up of slasher movies while at the same time being a improvement in the sort of, you know, shifting of the genre. Yes. Yeah. It was also like a, and making fun of sequels. Yes. <laughs> this is more about the sequels. Yeah. Um, which you don't get a ton from Randy. That's Jamie Kennedy's character. Cause he dies about halfway through the movie. Yep. yep. <laughs> but he does have a couple great scenes talking about sequels before that. He does. Yeah. I, I really liked the, um, the stab two references. So the, the, the movie about yeah. scream one was stab. Um, yeah. Appreciated it. That comes back a lot in the sequels and the stab jokes always get me. They're so funny. Yeah. It's very good. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The, the fervor around like the, you know, there's a lot of commentary about like, are these movies making people violent? And, um, yeah. The the fervor around the first movie was was great and definitely mirrored some of the fervor around Scream, like everyone wearing the masks. But during that first murder scene um, with Jada Pinkett, I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know she was going to be in this either. Um, the the fervor around it was such that everyone was wearing a Scream mask. Right. So she couldn't she couldn't tell mm-hmm. that it wasn't her partner next to her. Um, I really I liked that. 
Yeah, no one helps here. They think it's a publicity stunt at first. This is, yeah. of the sequels, I think my favorite opening. Yeah. Um, most of them do a variation on the Drew Barrymore opening from the first movie. Mm-hmm. They kind of have their cake and eat it too in this movie where they do this big production number in the theater and then later on with Sarah Michelle Gellar basically do a Drew yes. Barrymore style opening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. That, it was, uh, you, you got to see... You get to see like the Drew Barrymore opening made a movie of on screen, yes. and like so you yep. got like callback to Heather that, Graham. right? Yeah, um, and then Jada Pinkett, and then Sarah Michelle Gellar. So you had like kind of three like early, early versions of the yeah. Scene. There's a great in in the fifth Scream movie, which is just called Scream, not Scream Five. Um, there's a great joke about how. Fans online hated the seventh stab, which was directed by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> um, a, a direct reference to all the nerds who got really mad about his Star Wars movie, which was the seventh <laughs> Star Wars movie, also. <laughs> um, but that's you got a few more movies to go before you get to that great joke, yeah. Um, and and so, we're still in the 90s. Well, here. we'll be talking about it in 2026 on this yes. podcast, <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know. We've done a lot of 90s movies recently, and uh, I always like, you know, it's just such a cohesive aesthetic, kind of. It, yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful how into, like, it being the 90s and talking about the 90s as, like, a modern era this movie was. Um, like, my motive is less 90s. <laughs> it's, it's the 90s. Um, just, yeah. yeah. Well, no, we were at the end of culture, and we, we were all very proud of it. Yes. Yep. 1999, that's a song, right? By Prince? No. Oh. <laughs> In my head, it was a song from my dance recital when I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you paid Prince royalties for that. <laughs> I hope so. Stepping out dance studio. So the uh, the opening with Jada Pinkett, not yet Jada Pinkett Smith, and uh, Omar Epps is uh, really good. I, it's... I've seen some commentary on it's weird to call out the way black people are used in horror movies and then just do that. Yeah. Would it not be better satire to just do that? Because no, I think you, it was you, great. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on it because I guess it's a scream movie. You already know there's a wink involved with whatever they're doing, but whatever. It's good. Sure. Yeah. And I like them talking about, they make a, quick reference when she's waiting for popcorn. The person behind her is like, oh, you don't have to be scared. Just a movie. They're like, no, this happened to kids like a year ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, that they're sort of the commercialization and commodification, whatever, of violence and <laughs> culture. And they're kind of getting at that a little bit. Yep. But they're also making a much gorier movie this time too. For sure. So much gorier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. There were some, there were some moments that, that poor, basically nameless cop on the hood of that car. Yes, yeah. That, that one the sticks out the most. Ear, the ear hanging through the yeah. windshield. Yeah. Just, the girl went, went through his eye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's sort of the inciting incidents. The, uh, you know, ghost faces back, whatever, all these movies, it's always an opening and then ghost faces back and you get the band back together. Mm-hmm. But I like that. It's kind of a slow roll this time. Well, Cops are like, we don't know if it's a serial killer. It's obviously the first time it's happened again, so we don't know that it's a copycat situation until a bit further in. But anyway, Sydney's at college. What do you guys think of the college crew, all her friends and stuff in this one? D- delighted to see Portia de Rossi as the, <laughs> <laughs> as the sorority like a, a couple scene. Tr- truly big fan of that casting choice. It does feel funny that it's like, 
very clear that these are like big sororities. Like Greek is big at this school and they only have, there's two sorority girls and it's always the same two. Right. <laughs> Portia de Rossi and the other one. Yep. <laughs> Portia de Rossi is like the sidekick. Um, maybe there was three of them, but they killed Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That, that was great. Um, I, I liked the college, college stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was good. Good campus feel. <laughs> campuses are good yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> do you like them do you like the setting going from small town high school to medium college town i guess sure yeah it was it was fine I'd, somewhat unremarkable i guess if anything but yeah it worked yeah i think i kind of feel the same way it's like they could have made it more college specific but i think they did some stuff that i like uh most of the stuff i like that's unique to this movie is Whatever happens in that theater, whether it's the rehearsal or the final showdown. I, God, I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, so extravagant and campy and so campy. Wild. I, I love it. When they're doing the masks thing in the rehearsal, I love that sequence. That is not uh, 100% approval rating among, you know, if you look at reviews and reactions at the time or online today. Um, but I think that scene rocks. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet, though. So she's friends with Hallie. Uh, Randy's also at the school from the first movie. He's the only, I guess, not, he's the only student level carryover, I guess. Um, all, every other student she knows died. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and she has a boyfriend who is like just a big doofus. Yep. Big pre-med doofus. <laughs> yep. Named Derek. Mm-hmm. And uh, Timothy Oliphant's hanging around too. Yes, yeah. He's kind of in the the stew, which is uh, Matthew Lillard's character in the first movie. He's like the friend of Derek, kind of sidekicky, sort of you know, inferiority complex vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone just looks so young. Yeah, he looks like a baby. He looks like a baby. Sarah Michelle Geller's in that first classroom scene with Jamie Kennedy also. Yes. They're talking about sequels, how sequel all sequels suck. They have some fun sequel commentary there too. They do. I liked her her hair was awesome in this. The little like flip out with a hair straightener at the end. Yeah. Big fan. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. It is. Um and uh I just think the boyfriend just sucks so much. And like I get why Sydney's a doesn't take a lot of convincing to be like, maybe that guy's trying to murder me. Yeah. Cause yeah, like, no, I can't be that attached to that guy in the first place. He kind of just, he's like a Nella wafer. Um, yeah, he's just I, preppy that's an insult to narrow it. Nella wafers, but the kids hadn't started using the term yet, but he's very basic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's very basic. Um, and she's like a kind of borderline sort of, almost goth compared to all the sorority people around her. Totally. Yeah. She's like shitting on, all the sorority girls kind of constantly are at yeah. how they're it's like kind of pandering to her. <laughs> but she has this it's like, very Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, but there's a mixer for potential, you know, new sorority Del- rushes. Delta Lambdas. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they go to the party. Meanwhile, while they're at that party, Sarah Michelle Geller is the designated, uh, non-drunk person. Sober sister. The sober sister. Yeah, this is the term I was looking for. <laughs> she stays back by herself, or so she thinks, at the other house. And uh, it's a great sequence. It's a lot like the Drew Barrymore sequence. She gets called from Ghostface and, you know, long story short, gets stabbed a bunch of times and then thrown off a balcony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was kind of like, that was one of the moments where I was like, ah, man, I don't know about this one. Like the phone (laughs) conversation, I was like, well, you just told him you're like home alone and divulged a lot of details and like, yeah, not someone, not something a reasonable person would do, I don't think. But, you know, it's a horror movie. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, also, also, can't you just be the sober sister at the party? Is that like not allowed? That's, I mean, I know I'm nitpicking. In case one like wanders back and needs to get, <laughs> yeah, doesn't really, have her keys or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's like you have to be home alone to be the sober sister. Like, all right. Well. Parking, parking's hard, you know. <laughs> she had to go yeah. pick them up one by one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that can't be the most straining incredulity moment in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who stays home as a sober sister? This is bullshit. Oh, <laughs> system's broken. Um, she regretted being the sober sister in more ways than one. No doubt. Um, I love Sarah Michelle Geller. It's cool to see her pop up here. It's yeah. uh, it definitely lends to the whole nineties feeling of the whole movie. Cause For like sure. that is someone I really associate with a very specific time. Yes. Though she's usually stabbing people. Yeah. yeah. With stakes and yeah. they're vampires. <laughs> Not today. Not today. <laughs> um, yeah. And she's she lets them in too. It turns out they weren't actually in the house until she left the door open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was one of those move, like bad move. classic wanna scream at the the screen. Yes. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I was screaming, I'm sure, at the screen. Yeah. That is, it's very much wanting that reaction mm-hmm. from people watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you're looking at my notes. I should look at my notes a little bit. Yeah, I just, um, I that whole sequence. Anyway, a lot of cops show up because, you know, she's dead on the floor there. Sure is. And, um, okay. So. Oh, they got there real quick after, like, Sober Campus Sister police, was going to have yeah. to go pick them. Well, like, the whole party kind of, like, rushed over there, right? Yeah, it seems like it was maybe a block away. Yeah, but she sober sister had to stay home to pick them up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> plot <laughs> oh, plot yeah. hole thickens. Um, maybe. Yeah, you imagine it's like a Greek row kind of thing. Yeah, Like yeah. they have a big college town. Totally. Sure, yeah, let's go with it. I went to school in Boston, so I don't know. But anything you don't know, that. but some of us who went to school sh- in Amherst. <laughs> it was just shitty garden-level apartments in Alston. That's, that's where all the Greek was in my school, but we had a couple, we had a couple frats. I think one. So did they have their own houses? Yeah. So two frats for sure. Um, did. And I think it was 80 K and SIGAP. And one of them was in an old elementary school. Um, so that was fun. Like Mm. elementary school basement parties. I was like, it didn't feel like a frat party. Definitely the setting for a horror movie in there. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Um, but very obvious what's about to happen. Everyone rushes out, but Sydney and Derek stay behind. Yeah. Before we get to Ghostface attacking Sydney, did you happen to notice, quite famously, widely shared on the internet, not even memed because you don't need to. It's just funny. You just see this, this short video clip. The best extra performance of all time as the crowd is leaving the party, like around Sydney, as Nick Cave's red right hand plays. The best extra performance of all time happens in this moment. Did you catch it? I don't remember it, no. But yeah, if you just look up like Scream 2 Bull Guy, probably like YouTube will give you a clip, I bet. All right. Scream 2 Bull Guy. (laughs) He just like looks around. (laughs) 
<laughs> Someone was like, look around, <laughs> deranged. <laughs> That's amazing because it's just like, if it were any more subtle, it wouldn't be funny. And if it were any less subtle, it would have definitely gotten caught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that guy was doing. I'm sure you can find like there must be an oral history or something yeah, like so. everything that on the internet guy. gets. Yeah. Somebody tracked down Bull Guy and was like, "Well, what was the stage direction there?" <laughs> um, Swoop on out of here. And um, I just I I've resisted looking up that information in case it's like, "No, they told me to do that" cuz I wanted to be like, "No one told him to do that." <laughs> Maybe they didn't catch it at the time. That'd be even funnier. It would be. Or whoever was editing. I guess in my mind, Wes Craven was like, no, that plays. Leave it in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Bull Guy and the rest of the crowd leaves Sydney and Derek at the house. And of course, Ghostface, this was their plan all along. And Ghostface attacks. Yep. Uh, after calling, Sydney's about to leave, but then's like, ah, I got to answer that phone even though I don't live here. So curious. Just curious because she, she already knows who's going to be on the other end. Oh, for sure. And it's the vo- it's the voice. The same guy's done the same, that voice in every movie. Um, but yeah, it's in the movie. I like that it's just a box that people hold up to their mouth. Mm-hmm. In the whole series, it's always just a box people hold up to their mouth that completely changes the audio of their voice. Did you Did you have a voice changer? I'm sure I did as a kid. Not this one. But. <laughs> I had one built into a phone. I think it was called the Girl Talk phone. And it, oh, I remember that. Yeah. You could set like voices by pitch. Um, and nice. I remember using our second um, landline, like the fax line, to crank call my own house and pretend to be a man. And my, <laughs> my dad was pretty pissed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why is this man calling my wife? <laughs> it sounds like you. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so what you get here is Derek runs into the house mm-hmm. after, and without anyone seeing it, Dewey shows up as well. That's not the part no one sees, but Dewey shows up as well and runs in after him. And without anyone seeing it, Derek's been attacked by Ghostface and has a deep cut on his arm. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the hospital shortly after that. But, this is the first moment where you see on Sydney's face that she's like, it is weird that he just got a cut on his arm. Yes. Yep. And, mm, and what's up with Derek? Mm-hmm. So this is probably a good time to mention every other month movie we've done for whodunit month is like a traditional whodunit. There's, you know, a detective or a big reveal scene, big ensemble casts. Um, this is, a five Monday month that I think a fun thing to start doing going forward is on a five Monday month. The last one should be a bit of a curveball. So I thought good curveball. The screen movies are whodunits. They're mm-hmm. mystery movies. Mm-hmm. You are trying to figure it out. It's not, it doesn't exactly have all the hallmarks of an Agatha Christie, but a lot of people die and somebody tries to figure out who guilds people. Yeah. True. So whatever. It's a whodunit. This is the first time they're starting to lay the Derek sort of diversion. Ultimately. Um, what were you thinking? Who do you, who do you think was killing people at this point? You've sort of met all the characters by now. So I called it the first time that she walked onto the scene. I, I called Lori I called Metcalf's the, character. Lori Metcalf. Debbie Salt. Yep. Debbie Salt introduces herself to Gail Weathers. And I was like, she's the killer. Done. Yeah. Um, didn't, didn't guess that she was Billy's mom, um, but did guess that 
Um, I, at the time I thought she was like obsessed with Gail Weathers, um, and, and did it to kind of excite and impress Gail Weathers. Um, but I, I knew she was a killer. She was too excited. Yeah. Yeah. Too, too after it. Yeah. Yep. What about the other killer? I did not know there was going to be another killer. Yeah. So missed that. Nice. I liked the, I, there was a moment of Dewey for me a mo- and, and a moment of Cotton um, where I was like, mm. but I, I appreciated the, the back and forth between Derek and Dewey in the hospital. Um, after they say that, they're like, oh yeah, he didn't get caught in any major artery, like convenient med student. Yeah. Um, and Derek kind of shoots right back at Dewey and is like, mm, you, you appeared like right after the killer disappeared. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, these two are really tussling over here. Yeah. You know, but you never thought it was Derek. Not really. No, no. it was two on the nose. Well, that's what Jamie Kennedy says. Yeah. Forget the boyfriend. <laughs> too yeah. obvious. What, what about you, Jeffrey? Uh, I just had no idea to be honest. I just, that's a fun place to be in too. Yeah. I didn't like have any strong leads, you know, I think I considered everybody. Kate obviously said she thought it was Debbie salt. So that might've biased me a little bit. I was yeah. like, yeah, all right. That makes sense. Like, I just screamed it. <laughs> I was like, at this point I wouldn't really be surprised and when it was her. I was like, all right, well, it's not surprising, I guess. Cause Kate yeah. said it, but, um, yeah, I didn't have any real strong leads otherwise. That's fair. This is, I think, they do a good job of like spreading it around. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's called out directly in the movie itself that the boyfriend's too obvious. That's what happened last time. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I still, I still like how it all plays out. Who did you think? I can't remember who I thought. I think like recognizing a little bit Laurie Metcalf, you're like, that person's too much of like a real person to, and she gets a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. if it's not her and she just seems like such a weird person to throw in if that's not going to be one of the characters. Totally. Yeah. 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 And she's just too, too curveball. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking a lot about what's happening with Sydney so far, but we should mention Dewey shows up, even though it's established that it's at least a plane ride away from Woodsboro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gail shows up as well. Clear that they have not been in love since the last movie. New. No, they, so sad. Yes. And in Gail's book, like you mentioned in the plot summary, the the uh, Woodsboro Murders is her book. Stab is based on that. And Dewey didn't really like how she wrote about him. In the no. Book. Made no. him sound dumb. She said he oozed of incompetence. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. That's Dewey we're, you're talking about. So mean. I did so like mean. how sassy he got about it, though. Yes. He uh, he left a conversation with them between the two of them saying, no, if you'll excuse me, I have some oozing to do. It's good. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, Dewey has a big limp now. Mm-hmm. And he progressively throughout the series is the only person who kind of bears the physical toll of <laughs> the fact that all of the main characters get stabbed repeatedly pretty much in every movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh Yeah. I just, I like all the Dewey and Gale stuff. I always like all the Dewey and Gale stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah, so, so good. Um, also, her hair, incredible. <laughs> yeah, her hair's always bad. I think it's at its worst here. Yeah. they Only Dewey calls out the tiger stripes. Yes, which red, like tiger chonky stripes. highlights. Like yeah. some serious, dense foils going on. Yes. Kind of a character, her cameraman, Joel, who doesn't really know what he's signing up for. 
Uh, Cotton Weary is here sort of orbiting around her, orbiting around Sydney as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was promised an interview, promised national TV. Leah Schreiber is playing Cotton Weary and he is always creepy. Always creepy. He does a good job maintaining a uh, sort of sinister edge the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, while he's ultimately not the killer, he's not like against killing Sydney, really. No, yeah, he he like sort of vaguely threatens to not save her at the very least if she doesn't go on. Diane Sawyer. Diane Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like a fame hungry guy. Um, it's one of the very few slasher movies that the end hinges on whether or not someone will agree to be interviewed by Diane Sawyer. <laughs> so good. Perhaps the only one whose climax hinges on that. <laughs> Diane Sawyer saving lives. But yeah, so Gail's around. She's trying to get footage, trying to get interviews. And just like Cotton Weary. Yeah. Crawling for fame. Yeah. <laughs> I I like that it does kind of reset every movie with Gail is like she always it's it's like gravity. This she's always this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. She likes Dewey a lot, seemingly genuinely. Mm-hmm. But this is who she is. Yeah, she's just, she's just Gail Weathers, you know. Yeah, trying to make make a buck. Yeah, <laughs> there's always like she does. It does usually get to a point where she's like, okay, there's there's bigger things at play now. But she is who she is, which I appreciate. Yeah, no, I do love her. Um, also, D- David Arquette's dad was the police chief. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy's good. Yeah, he's he's a very plausible police chief kind of looking guy. Yeah, I thought so too. He's a longtime actor. He's in one of my favorite movies, Waiting for Guffman. So nice. I recognized him from that right away. Didn't realize it was David Arquette's dad though until I looked it up. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Good. He's a better actor than David Arquette. <laughs> wow, that's a pretty low bar. But. Yeah. <laughs> it's like David Arquette really only works here in this context. <laughs> he just is doing. He's like As not a kind acting. of dumb guy who keeps getting stabbed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is always just like delightful to uh to like know that they're Courtney Cox and David Arquette um during this and yes. you know they met in Scream 1. Um I also th- there was a great Courtney Cox moment uh, where someone referenced naked pictures of her on the internet and she was like, oh, it was, it was just my head. It was Jennifer Aniston's body. <laughs> I was like, yikes. Okay. <laughs> so, and I guess this was like, right. Like she had just gotten very friends famous at this point. It is. I was thinking of that during some of the scenes in this movie where you're like, she's like so famous. Yeah. It's, I don't know if there was a contract. I don't know what it was, but in my <laughs> mind I was like, Why it's cool that she kept doing these movies. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, you. She did not need to do no because the first, yeah, up to the third one happens during the Friends run because that's two thousand, I think. So. Right. Right. Which by then that's when they're at what a million dollars an episode or whatever the reported thing was, and that's in like late nineties, early thousands money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she Courtney Cox was fine. Then she came back for Cougar Town, which was also selfless on her part. It was so selfless. <laughs> Just giving gifts to the public. <laughs> I, do, I do really like her. Yeah, seems good. She's, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I like Friends enough. I like Friends. It's, you know, it's, it's Friends. It's like, it's right, no yeah. ice cream. Um, but I, uh, I watched it for many years, like right before bed. And I, I actually had um, a study abroad 
friend who came to visit me in New York like a decade later and was like, wow, you still watch Friends every night before bed. Um, so he don't understand what a big deal it was when it came on Netflix yeah, in like yes. 2015 or 16 or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I went from watching it on um, a hard drive, like, like any study abroad kid, just yes, yes. <laughs> walking around with a hard drive of friends. Um, and then, then later when it was on Netflix. There you go. That works. Cut back to Sydney. Um, we're going a little out of order. We're just taking like the main characters. Cause like we said, Sydney and Gail slash Dewey are pretty much doing their own things yeah. for most of the movie. Um, really hard not to fast forward through Derek singing in the cafeteria. Uh, yeah. It's truly. so cringy. Yeah. And I know yeah. that's the point, but it's still like makes my skin crawl. A little yeah. Bit. yeah. Yeah. What song did he sing again? Um, Oh, he top did. Gun. I think I love you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he references Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Yeah, not, not good. And the Greek letters, those like big fat Greek letters. You just kind of knew those were coming back. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he gives his letters to Sydney, which is a big no-no in Greek life, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, get you kidnapped. It, it will. <laughs> that sequence is fine later too, but that's later. Randy and uh, Dewey talking mm-hmm. in the cafeteria. They see, I think it's them that see on TV, like a scene from Stab that's uh, like Tori Spelling and Luke Wilson. Yes. yes. Reenacting one of the scream scenes where mm-hmm. uh, Sydney runs into Billy in the hallway. Yeah. It's good. I love Luke Wilson. Yeah. Tori, Tori Spelling's really funny. We're that, Joyce here. That was delightful. The like, the like really famous actors in Stab. Yes. Um, that's yeah. probably a big laugh in 1997 for Tori Spelling also. Totally. And <laughs> talking about Tori Spelling. Um, I also I think all of the kind of like movies they were watching stuff was good. Yeah. Not nondescript film, but I, I did appreciate that they similarly in, in the kind of callbacks when Sarah Michelle Geller um is dying, there's a scary movie playing in the background, which I like barely mm-hmm. noticed, but that was reminiscent of a scene from Scream One that I liked. That's great, yeah. Yeah. Uh I uh I love this conversation between Randy and Dewey mm-hmm. where like he does in each of these movies, Randy lays out the rules for a sequel and they go through the suspects. Yep. And I really love the moment where he's like, well, why are you a suspect? He's like, if I'm a suspect, you're a suspect. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> that all, all the meta stuff always works on me. Your mileage absolutely will vary, but it, it works on me. Oh, it works on me too. It works I, on me in all every single one of these movies because they do it in every one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can imagine that then just like making continual like kids, Bob 87 yes. style jokes. Um, Though he dies here, he also does the same function in Scream 3. Okay, I'm ready. Ghost. ghost. <laughs> um, I also really liked, like, at, I feel like that was the moment where they're like, you know, when they're talking about rules for sequels, got to be more bodies, got to be gorier. And that's the moment where I was like buckling up for some mm-hmm. blood. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then this is that rehearsal scene. We already talked about it a little bit. Um Incredible. Very overqualified, you know, kind of legendary actor. David Warner plays the drama professor. Yep. Uh, he gets a few lines. Classic college drama professor. Yeah. He probably just a guy Wes Craven wanted to work with. He's played a villain so many times. He just died about a year ago. Oh. Um, pour one out. He's good in this movie. He doesn't have a lot to do. Anyway, Sydney does a rehearsal where she's Cassandra and there's people in masks, but one of them is Ghostface. Yep. Yep. It's good. 
I couldn't tell if she was like hallucinating. I yeah. know. That's yeah. why I said it was so good. Yeah, it was so campy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dancing sea of orange. I, I do like the kind of indulgence of having that sort of not exactly abstract, but just like a, a flourish of a scene. <laughs> the, and it was like um, the like acro modern dance. She's like tumbling over them yeah, yeah, yeah. chaotically. And then just like an extreme, like almost un, like out of focus intentionally close up of her face. It's just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, so then it's the sequence where, well, ultimately Randy dies, but gets a call from Ghostface while talking with Gail and Dewey mm-hmm. and they all go trying to look for the guy on the other end of the phone. Bad idea. Yeah. Bad idea. Yeah. I liked, liked the cameraman's like fear and reactions and that Lo- loved the blood pouring out of the car. Yes. Did you think Randy yes, was yes. going to die in this movie? No, I didn't think he was going to, he was too afraid of dying. Yeah. It's funny. The, re- the, I don't want to spoil it. It's a good joke in the third movie why he ends up dying in this movie. Okay. And who knows in another eight months, maybe we'll no more. I think we probably did scream last June. You think? Oh, I was, I was guessing it was Halloween. It might've been Halloween. Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. I don't know. No, I guess I, I guess he wasn't afraid of dying. The cameraman was. Yeah. It's probably Halloween. Yeah. 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 The cameraman left to go get Dunkin' Donuts. Right. right and then right. Yeah. <laughs> well, when he came back, uh, Randy was Randy dead. was gone. Yeah. No, Randy was not afraid enough of dying, I would say. No, he just wanted to figure it out. He thought he thought he had like just his knowledge yeah, of genre. Smarter. Yeah. yeah. I liked the I, I liked that in this this uh sequel too. They some of them were just so annoyed at trying to like figure it out. Sydney in particular was like, I don't even care. Like I just want to figure this out. I'm yes. too annoyed. Exactly. But yeah, that's we're pouring out for probably the only good Jamie Kennedy role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's great in that like heavily prosthetic, essentially cameo in Harold and Kumar. Um, but yeah, I feel like his image is a lot of, you know, Malibu's most wanted. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy experiment. Yeah. <laughs> those, those two, I think are the big pulls for him today. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. <laughs> Dewey and Gail break off to go review the tapes because she sees, like, after Joel quits, she has the bag. And she's like, oh, well, if Ghostface is someone that is, like, already around Sydney, then obviously he'll have to be in some of these tapes from the crime scenes. Uh, so they go off to try and find a VCR and um, almost have sex, but then get attacked by Ghostface. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I liked that. They're, like, w- watching footage and slowly realize it's, like, switched for Ghostface's footage. Yeah, including of them watching it. That was good. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that, that chase goes on kind of a while. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I, I like where it ends in the in the with the sound booth and the yes. the sound not traveling between the two of them. That was real cool. Yeah, yeah, I liked that a lot. Yeah, was that uh? I think it was as part of that with the knife swishing sound. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Amazing <laughs> when <laughs> when Ghostface like, was going at Dewey, it was just like. Whoosh, whoosh, through the door. Yeah, like you could hear yes. the knife in the wind. So in the good. air. They do they always do that. And I like I just Ghostface is one of my favorite like iconic villains and it's always obviously different people. So it's hard to even classify it as like a Michael Myers scenario, but 
I like that there is consistent rules to Ghostface. Um, I like that Ghostface is always pretty clumsy and falling over stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just love the way Ghostface moves. Yeah. I always feel like horror char- like characters you're supposed to be afraid of, whether they're monsters, killers, or whatever, movement is such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And I just think the way Ghostface moves is so like fucking perfect. The kind of like the the weirdly quick movements. I like there's so many scenes where they just get their hand through a door that they're trying to go after someone and they're always just yeah. like going doing crazy stuff with the knife. Yeah. Right. They do seem so like unnecessary. Sort, of, sort of possessed or like rabid. Like, yeah. But just something like about that mask. Subtly. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. I enjoyed it's it. It's always good. It's just always good. Yeah. Um meanwhile, Sydney's being brought to like a safe house essentially by the two cops that have been protecting her. Bad news bears. Yep. And they make some off-color jokes that aren't really cool in the in the scenario. Yeah. Um, and Hallie, her friend, we haven't really mentioned before. She doesn't do a ton. She's just, this is De- Sydney's designated friend She's in this a movie. Pledge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're going off to their safe house. They stop at a red light. Ghostface comes and kills the one who's driving. The other one gets out of the car. Ghostface gets in, starts trying to drive away. Guy jumps on the hood and then gets his face impaled. Yeah. On some construction poles. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was rough. Rough and bloody. And he's trying to like shoot Ghostface. I really wanted Sydney to have so then Sid, Sydney and Hallie have to escape. It's a cop car. They're locked in the back. They have to go out the front. Door is jammed. They they basically end up having to crawl over Ghostface. Um I was really disappointed Sydney didn't go grab the cop's gun. In yes. <laughs> well, I think I don't think it was obvious it was there. I think that was kind of how it worked, right? Like we saw it was there, but I don't think she saw it. So, yeah, yeah. His gun could have been anywhere. He was just flung around while we were driving erratically. You know, could have. I felt like he anywhere. was firing shots. No. Yeah, I don't think he ever shot. No, he was I think like he was duck trying down. to line it up, and he was yelling to, yeah. to like duck down. Yeah, fair enough. But he didn't want to shoot like Sydney in the face, and he's fair. you know fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, that was the most tense part of the whole movie though for me. Oh, for they had to sure. Crawl over ghost face. It's a great that. scene. So mentioned before, the first one's got a little bit more of a thriller element, and probably a little bit more of a whodunit element too. Um, but th- one really cool thing about this movie, and with the sequel stuff it's making fun of, but also doing the more carnage, the more bodies, whatever, but it's still it it doesn't redo set pieces from the first one really. And I think this is a really good original one in this movie that I think does stand out a ton when they have to crawl out of the back seat and over ghost face. Yeah. And rewatching it this time, I was like, I thought he grabbed Hallie on the way by. Um, but no, he stays, he stays out the whole time. Yeah. He's out the whole time. And which is, which is a great twist. And then, you know, like the way it's shot when Hallie's sort of further away from Sydney and she's not actually in the center of the frame. And there's that huge like block of wood that you can't see behind. Yeah. You're like, oh, I know what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of those. There were a couple of times in this movie where, you know, you're supposed to sort of, I think, be blaming Sydney for going back to see who he was. Because otherwise they would have been gone. I'm like, there, he, there was someone caught. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, that tells you the direction they were going is where he was. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was right there. He was uh, right there. Yeah. Loved that quick little bugger. Yeah. 
But yeah, the moment that she sees Ghostface isn't there, she's basically already apologizing to Hallie. She's like, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we're, we're donezo. We're donezo. Or you're donezo. Ghostface starts chasing her. She runs off. When you cut back to her later, she's not like being directly chased anymore, but she mm-hmm. finds her way to that theater again, which is playing that music again. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, I mean, who cares? After she left, Derek got abducted by the frat guys because of the letters. They're all, you know, taking, they're all writing on his body and tying him up to a, a part of the a prop that's like a cross. And he's kind of like in a crucifixion position. Whatever. I don't care that much for Derek, but I think this is a cool set piece when he comes back into the picture, which is when she goes to the theater, he gets lowered down. Basically, this is the final confrontation. Mm-hmm. So you were pretty sure Debbie Salt, but the one that gets revealed first is Mickey, Timothy Oliphant's character. Yeah. Was that a surprise? Uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't suspected him much. Um, I, that was another moment with the the um, Mickey Derek situation where I didn't really think it was Derek, but I felt like it, they were like blaming Sydney for not for not assuming it was Derek. I'm like that man was going to get killed no matter what <laughs> Sydney did there. Like she should not feel guilty about this. Yeah, um, yeah, I do like that when. Timothy Elephant's trying to plant the seed of doubt even further. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, wouldn't it be him? Like, why not your boyfriend? It's your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to convince her that, that Derek was partnering with him. And then there's this very dramatic scene once he's, you know, she didn't untie him. And so he is killed, um, by Mickey. And he's like, I would have never hurt you. It's like, she didn't kill you. Is- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. 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 I, I think, Mickey was more surprising too because he didn't really have a strong motive in the end either. It's kind of like it's pretty flimsy. It was yeah. like, uh, okay, like just for the fame, kind of. Yeah, yeah, for like trial fame, you know, the like. I do think it was he was talking about like how uh, what Christian organizations are going to be like fighting each other to give me funding for my defense. Yeah, Christian coalition's going to yeah. pay yes. my legal fees. Right. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I think obviously too he was you know supposed to be psychotic, right? Yes. So you can't really <laughs> take a rational approach to how he thought about it and had his motive. So. Yeah. Exactly. He's got to blame movie violence. Shortly after Debbie arrives, holding Gail at gunpoint. Her motive is not as '90s as Mickey's. No. And that's Nancy Loomis, it turns out. Billy Loomis from the first movie's mother. And she wants revenge on Sydney. Mm-hmm. Like you said, her motive is much less 90s. It's just classic revenge. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, that was a good tie-in. Yeah. She shoots Mickey because she's going to, you know, pin the whole thing on him or something. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a little rapid fire to follow. I was like... Okay, she's going to kill Mickey. She, is she going to kill everybody? It sounds like it. Um, and just leave and, and pin it all on Mickey. Um, yeah. I liked that she was really still very angry at Sydney's mom. Yeah. She's like, she <laughs> stole my husband and like broke up my family. It's like, she's long yeah. dead. I did have a moment earlier on where I wasn't sure if it was a copycat Slat, I mean, I guess it's like kind of a copycat with Mickey and kind of and, and revenge. Um, or if we didn't actually know who it was the first time because mm-hmm. I because this was only my second scream, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a moment with her as they were saying all this that I was like, oh, did she actually like 
kill Sydney's mom and then kill Sydney, like, and then kill everybody in the first movie. Um, but, but no. Yeah. <laughs> so. I guess there's, there's a great line before she even shows up that Sydney has when she's just sort of facing off with Mickey. We are talking about like Billy Loomis and stuff. And she says like, you're forgetting, for, forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis. I killed him. Yeah. She just says like, I fucking killed him. Yeah. It's good. So good. Anyway. So then as Mickey's collapsing to the ground, he shoots Gail. She feel it falls off the stage. And then it's just sort of a fight between Sydney and uh, Laurie Metcalf for a while. Yep. I like that. Jackie. Yeah. Nancy is so sort of like wild eyed and crazed through this whole sequence. And I like that when Cindy just starts activating props, she's just so freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, just, just pulling just levers. Stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she tries to get off the stage and then she's like, Oh no, I can't go there. It's like, just jump. You're yeah. fine. Yeah. So like five feet across. <laughs> so good. Anyway, um, it's all good stuff. Eventually Nancy gets, Grab Sydney from behind, has the knife at her throat as Cotton shows up. And then they have a standoff kind of thing. Cotton's still like not a not a great dude. Not a great dude. This is the Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Sydney agrees to do the Diane Sawyer thing and he shoots Nancy. Yep. And then, like all in these movies, and I always appreciate it, it's always good. Um, I like in this one, they're like, do you make sure? They're like, I don't know. They always come back as they're standing over Nancy's body. And as they say that, from the side of the stage, Mickey pops up. Yeah. Yep. And I like that anytime people pop up after being killed, they don't do anything. They just go like, rawr. Yeah. They're just like zombies for yep. a second. And, and Laurie Metcalf's character had had already like come back from under the pile of bricks. So right. Like yeah. She had her moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gail came back on stage. Both Gail and Sydney unload on Mickey again. Mm-hmm. Like they have a shot where he just like goes flying in slow motion into yeah. the into the stage rubble, uh, and then they Sydney shoots Laurie Metcalf in the head for good measure. Yep, throws the gun down like a badass. Loved it. And we're basically in the end at this point. And Gail, of course, alive again. Gail alive again. Dewey gets out of there. I know. She uh, instead of like the end of the first movie, getting on the airwaves with her cameraman. She, she turns him down and instead gets in the ambulance and heads off with Dewey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was nice. And now, now I know she kind of cycles back to herself. I was hoping this was their happily ever after. Can't fight gravity. <laughs> Gail's who Gail is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like that. It sort of ends on a note of like everyone Cindy cares about is dead. And it just sort of, she just kind of wanders off. Yeah. It's like happy-ish music playing. Yeah. But as it goes to credits, it's it's pulling off, it's pulling out and doing like an over-the-campus shot. And Sydney's just kind of wanders away from the ambulances and she doesn't really have anywhere to go. I know, I know. I was <laughs> I was pretty sad for Sydney by the end of this. Yeah. And like she didn't really like win. You no. Know? <laughs> she she does a nice thing for Cotton when she directs the media attention over to him. Oh, he's he's the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she's just like a bunch of people she knows died again because they were close to her. Yeah. Poor Sydney. Yeah. She's in several more screams, so I guess she's okay. Not the most recent one, but yeah. she is in several more. Yeah. Wow. Hopefully they get Nev Campbell back for another one, at least. Um, yeah, so Scream 1, 2, 96, 97. I think 3 is 2000, and then 
2011 is four. 2022 was five. This year was six. Wow. So the year, the year gaps are all over the place. Wild. A couple times that there's been 11 years in between movies and a couple times that they've been in back to back years. Yeah. Weird thing for a series. Yeah. Um, but anyway, three is maybe the most divisive one, at least of the first three, which are people like considering it the classic period. Um, but I like three a lot. Yeah. I, I like three a lot. It's in Hollywood. Parker Posey's in it. That's all I need. Mm. It's set in Hollywood? Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And there's like a... You know, I don't want to spoil anything. I was going to say, no, I'm not even going to say that because I would just be telling you what I wasn't going to say. Um, <laughs> so never mind. I, I like three. I like it. I think it's good. We'll have to check it out. Anyway, so that's the rest of the series. What, what did you guys think about this movie now that we got to the end of the plot at least? I liked it. I'd give it, yeah. I think it, it was it, it was a, a smooth watch. Um, I'd, I'd recommend it. Easy weeknight watch. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the same. I liked it. I'm not a big horror movie fan, but it's definitely, you know, above the 50th percentile for me for horror movies. So yep. overall, pretty enjoyable. Good pacing to the movie. Interesting characters. Again, like fairly believable plot. So I think it has the components for like a pretty good movie and quite a good horror movie compared to a lot set there. Yeah. With that said, let's get into ratings. Every week I'll take our ratings and put them on our letterbox. That's late to the movies on letterboxd.com. On a scale of 0.5 to 5, on any scale of your choosing, aside from stars, going up by halves, what would you give Scream 2? Three and a half. <laughs> I was going to say 3.2 until I realized I was committed to the half. Um, three and a half uh, severed ears. Oh, there you go. Mm. That's a good one. Um, also going to go three and a half bags of popcorn. Uh-huh. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I think, have you used that every time? Bags of popcorn? Yeah, it's I think from, so. uh, <laughs> from, oh shoot, what's on cinema at the cinema. I yeah. stole it from that. So I like it. Yeah. And there's also the movie opening in this one. So it makes sense. Yeah. That's, oh, okay. yeah. Um, four out of five. Ghost face masks. I mean, it's a classic. I love that mask. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It is a good mask. He also, I like, I like ghost face knife. You know, it's a particular knife. It's not just like a knife. Yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty curvy little hunting knife. Yeah, it's a curvy little number. <laughs> so each episode during a particular month, this being Who Done It month, I'll ask a question. That's the same one every time. In the whodunits that are a little bit more traditional, it's been a little bit more on theme. But whatever, it works for this movie too, kind of. Uh, The question I've been asking is, between doing a murder (laughs) or trying to solve a murder, what would you be better at and what would you rather do? So would you be better at getting away with a murder or solving one? And which of those would you rather do? have to do <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're doing a murder in this scenario are you guaranteed to get off scot-free no oh oh okay no you got to figure it out i would absolutely rather solve and solve i, I would rather solve and i'd be better at that's mm-hmm. 
It's hard though. It's hard. I'd rather solve for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I might be better at doing a murder. Do I have any weapon I want? Sure, yeah. Unless unless solving the murder was very invo- like involved internet stalking heavily, mm. I'd probably be better at conducting the murder. Yeah, I think that's the honest answer. Only a few people have used it so far this month. <laughs> that's probably true. Greg Greg was just so, you know, honest about his own incompetence that he's like, I could never solve a murder. Yeah. It sounds hard. I mean, you know, it's like, you know how many murders go unsolved? Yeah. And then you could do a murder that was really hard to solve. Right. And, right. He, and he had a lot of ideas about it. Just saying. If there's any, <laughs> you know. I feel like I would have to like poison somebody. I don't I don't have like the cojones yeah. for much else. <laughs> he said, you've, you just picked a random person on the street that you have no connection to. Yeah. That'd be really hard to solve. So hard to solve. But like, what, I guess you would poison that person. You're not going to like, yeah. Yeah. I guess you would. <laughs> just like offer up a water. <laughs> I mean, preference is definitely solving. I don't want to murder anyone. So <laughs> that has been unanimous so far. <laughs> yeah. be highly suspect if it wasn't i guess um yeah i also wanted to say solve and solve initially but i actually i'm going to change my mind too i think like better at doing a murder um I, I think we kind of just touched on this but if you think about it like it's really hard to solve a murder especially a well-planned one right mm-hmm. i mean i think like kind of crimes of passion and you know things like that those murders are are a little bit easier, but if someone really plans it out, I think you could definitely get away with it, which mm-hmm. is like pretty creepy to say, but, and, uh, you know, think pretty highly of myself in that regard that I would plan it quite well. I'm a planner type person. Oh God. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say I, you know, I'd probably be better at better at that side of things. Yeah. I definitely would prefer to solve a murder <laughs> and I just think I'd, yeah, I just don't have a, enough self-confidence in my like forensic capabilities. Yeah. yeah. And the people who do have confidence in their forensic capabilities, his mother said, that makes them better at doing a murder. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So just from yeah. all spectrum, I think I'd be bad at both of them. I, I think I there's a 0% chance that I get away with a murder, though. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, no, too guilty. I'd tell someone. Ah, okay. Turn myself in by the end of the week, for sure. So you wouldn't be <laughs> caught. You would just admit to it. Yeah. Much, okay. much like... Much like every ghost face, I don't think any of them get found out. They re- they reveal, right? Yeah, that's true. That's a big one of the many differences between most of the whodunit movies this month and this one is that people don't actually figure it out. It's more of an I done it movie. Mm-hmm. You'd think Gail's onto something, but she never figures it out either. Yeah, no, she doesn't. I um, you know what I think would be one of my downfalls as a murderer. Mm. Um, I would not have enough self control with Google. I'd be like. Yeah. How long does chloroform last? It like, like, just, like that dude in the South Shore. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That, Quincy whenever, or whatever. Yes. Like whenever I see news articles like that, like so and so, like accused of murder, googled this yeah, ten but those times. Are just dumb people who don't understand how browsers work. Well, that's well, I'm like, oh, I'd be that person. Like I'd you say, like, dumb, but that guy used his toddler's iPad because he thought, I guess, that was untraceable back to him. <laughs> yeah. <what? laughs> Okay, thank you for your answers. This is our third Wes Craven movie, which I think, aside from 
directors who we've specifically done like months about that director, Spielberg and Cameron. Three has to be up there. I don't have the list in front of me, but I think three is pretty far up there. It's been two screams, one nightmare on Elm Street. Been thinking a lot about Red Eye lately because of Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever see Red Eye? No. No. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's um mostly Killian Murphy being sinister, sitting on a plane next to Rachel McAdams. Oh, okay. So let's check it out. That's more thriller than horror. Okay. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> well, watch nice. it. We've gotten lots of movie wrecks. Always do. Yeah. Uh mentioned this back when it actually came out, but Kevin Williamson who is the writer and usually credited as the guy with the idea for the Scream series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he writes a bunch of them, but not all of them. He had a movie out this year that he wrote, sort of in a Scream vibe, uh, less funny, but still sort of some commentary. Um, essentially a COVID sort of Scream movie. Oh. Uh, called Sick, hmm. where some uh, a couple friends go to quarantine at a lakeside cabin and um, someone shows up and starts doing ghost face style stuff to them, but they're just wearing masks, Mm. like masks. Oh, just regular old masks. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, one of the only good COVID movies that's like, (laughs) actually acknowledges it and people are quarantining and it's, they're two college students and their school just got shut down. It's like, I think, you know, April, 2020 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. It gotcha. came out this year, but it's set in like, you know, when all the colleges were closing down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've seen a couple of, I saw one kind of like rom com one on a plane. I don't remember anything about it, but Jeffrey and I are a COVID love story. We could, we could, uh, there you go. <laughs> could make a full movie. <laughs> Probably could. Mm-hmm. This is a fun month. I like whodunit movies. So this wasn't like a traditional one, but you know, I like all the movies we talked about this month. It was good. I haven't I haven't seen a lot of them. You took me to see Knives Out. That's true. Great. That was one of the three times I saw Knives Out in theaters, <laughs> uh, which was something. I haven't gone to see something three times yet since. It was, uh, I think that was the last time I went to the movies pre-COVID. Wow. Because it was like probably November. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. This was the 99th main episode of the podcast. Woo! Um, as someone referenced earlier tonight, we've partied like it is the 99th episode. Uh, it's kind of the Prince song. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so next week starts a new month and starts a whole new century episode. (laughs) There's going to be another digit (laughs) when I write episode, whatever on Instagram, there'll be a whole new digit starting next week. Uh, it'll be a one spoiler alert because that'll be the 100th episode to celebrate next month is all going to be movies with big anniversaries. We're going to start with a 50th anniversary of a horror classic. I don't normally tease a horror classic that just got a really nice 4k Blu-ray announced this week. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm never usually cagey about it. It's, it's exorcist. We're, doing, we're going to talk about the exorcist. <laughs> I said that. And then I was like, by the time it comes out, are they going to be looking up the wrong week for Blu-ray releases? I don't know. <laughs> It's all of them. All, all I'm going to say is next month is the 100th episode anniversary's first episode up is a 50th anniversary. It's The Exorcist. Wild. Yeah, just insane. Time flies. Let's end this episode. Um, none of this is mattering. None of this is mattering. I, we should end there, but I have to do the spiel. Thank you for being on, Jeffrey and Kate. 
Thank you Thanks for having us. us. Absolutely. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbeans. You can go to... Okay, I, I've been doing a thing in the last couple episodes where I'm like, you know what? I always forget all these URLs. So just go to our website and you can go to the different spots from there. You can find the Public. You can find the Instagram all from the website. Late to the movies dot fireside dot fm is what i've been saying turns out that's not the url <laughs> wow <laughs> it's it's late to the movies podcast dot fireside dot fm if you were trying to do my fun workaround because i can't remember the urls you shouldn't have been surprised that i got the url wrong um and i'm literally live checking jeffrey's seo heart is shattered now i know I'm sorry. It's like you said the wrong URL first. Yes. Okay. It's not even podcast. That's why it's so hard to remember. Um, late to the movies pod dot fireside dot FM. That is definitively the actual URL. You can go there. You can find the link to our Instagram, to our merch. You can buy the 12 shirts with Greg's face on them or 15 without his face on them. Those are the only options. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, send an email to Noah at uh, gmail.com. Um, it'll find him. <laughs> Noah at gmail? Yeah, late to the movies podcast at gmail.com. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you need a URL. Nah. <laughs> All right. Th- th- thanks again. I hope you, you like scary podcasts. I don't know. I can't do the voice. <laughs> we like scary podcasts. I can't do the I'm sorry. Thanks for uh, a, a spooky summer movie. I'm usually a yeah. spookies in October kind of gal. It's good. It's, it's fun. There's people that are famous in it. It's basically a summer movie. All right, that's it. The podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> night, night. We can't start talking about the movie again. <laughs>